and welcome to the Dice Shop Podcast, a Sean Dice fan podcast for nerds. I'm Alex Towles. <laughs> and I'm Alex Collings. And this week we're going to talk about Sean Dice's brilliant defensive job on Arsenal that definitely wasn't really annoying in any way, shape or form. <laughs> it was quite annoying, definitely from a, from an Arsenal perspective. But we, you know, we just needed a win. That's all we came for. We didn't need to be showing our asses. We, we've got uh, in-depth analysis of the Sean Dyche-ness of the performance that we have just witnessed. <laughs> we have a little bit of analysis of the team that played in red that game. Apparently, they're a team we should pay attention to. Arsenal, I think they're called. Uh, and then we're looking ahead to Brentford at the weekend. And also, beyond the weekend, we'll take a sneaky peek at Manchester City because... We're not going to do a pod between this one and the City game, so we might as well talk about that game here. I'm not even going to drop the bit, because the first point in our plan here says, let's admire Daesh. Collings. <laughs> like I was saying, um, no, nah, it was a genuinely very impressive performance. The craziest thing to me about it is that he had, like, what, a week with the with the side? This was his first game... And it was one of the most organized defensive performances I've seen in ages. I mean, it was it was incredible. Um, yeah, it was probably the best defensive performance we've been played up against. But also, they just generally overall outplayed us. I think this was the first time I'd say, maybe from a slightly Arsenal tinted glasses perspective, but the first time we've been outplayed in the league this season. And we were really? thoroughly, out, thoroughly outplayed. I would say so. I think... We lost to Man United, but we were better than them. Uh, we really struggled in that game versus Leeds, but I wouldn't say we were outplayed. We were just a bit shit um, in the in the later parts. I wouldn't really say what other game were we were we matched. We were better than Newcastle. They just defended really well and came for the point that they got the point they came for. I think Everton went far beyond that underdike, and yeah, it, it, it's not something that I thought, but now you say that. Yeah. Well, what did you think? <laughs> I mean, did I, think? I didn't. I didn't really have any thoughts on like if we outplayed them, they outplayed us. That's not like the way my brain works generally. Um, but like <laughs> they were definitely very good at defending, and we did not attack them well enough to break them down. So I suppose yeah, they they outplayed us. I think it, it's that, but also I would say Newcastle defended really well against us, but. With Everton, it wasn't just the defending, it was those transition moments into attacks. Um, their their attacks against us were very threatening. They created way bigger chances in the game than we did. Oh, yeah. Um, and, I, and I think they could have had more than one goal against us, whereas it never really felt... We had one or two good moments where it largely came from just having really good players. Eddie did something really nice at one point. Odegaard did something really nice at another point. Saka, maybe. But we never really got into into their box in really good positions and fashioned actual chances. Whereas they, they had a, a number of opportunities where they got into our box, where they attacked us really, really well in transition. But yeah, for me, definitely the defensive aspect, or the out-of-possession, maybe I should say, aspect was the most impressive. Like, what we did see is we saw a mid-block in that game, we saw a high-press, we saw a low-block. All of them, you know... in I think it was a clinic. All of them performed to the highest level and also knowing when the team, knowing when to move between each sort of situation or scenario, what to implement was crazy to me. Um, especially in their counter pressing. I think they were, yeah, they were fantastic. 
Yeah, I, and I've actually I've done something that we don't do very often, but we have done it these last couple of weeks, and we keep saying how we don't do it very often. So we'll see. Um, and I've found some numbers which show how well Everton restricted us, uh, but also showed that yeah, they attacked better than us as well. Uh, I looked at the expected goals per shot numbers for this game. Uh, so obviously you've got xg expected goals which is a measure of how likely you are to score a goal so basically the higher the xg is the bigger the chances is one way of looking at it uh and so xg per shot is a measure of how good a chance each shot is we had 15 shots in the game against everton and only one had an expected goals value of more than 0.1 uh, for reference, our average XG per shot for this season is 0.12. So that's one shot of 15 where we're above average in the quality of that chance. So Everton did a really, really good job of restricting us to very low quality chances. Everton, on the other hand, had five shots of their 12 that were over 0.1. Uh, so yeah, they were, they were better than us. <laughs> And I'd also say that they had a couple where they just didn't quite connect, um, but they were very dangerous. Where I wouldn't say we had many moments, maybe one where a shot didn't happen, but we were in a dangerous position. But yeah, um, I think those, that low like quality of um, chance really comes from Dyke's sort of, that V everyone kind of knows really well, where you kind of point it out to the corners of the box from the goalposts. Um, and he really protects that well, especially in that low, in their low block sort of situations. Um, we saw it often, I think some of our best sort of plays were in the second half, getting the ball to, to sucker, switching it relatively quickly that he'd actually get, be able to get into the box or just outside the box. But again, they just close that space and understand that line that they needed to close off so quickly that even when he did do those sort of situations, he wasn't getting beyond there. He kind of had to, make a pass or try break through from that situation. Um, yeah, I think just that timing, that ability to move across. It was also interesting. I think we're pretty good with with moving from side to side. Um, but just the disparity there was actually quite quite eye-opening to look at because it's something you realize like we really could improve on, on. And I don't even think we're bad. I think we're one of the best teams in terms of moving as a shape. And I still think they were better. Obviously does come a lot from it, from them having that extra man in the middle to congest the spaces means that they can kind of have guys on the outside moving quicker onto when it was getting to Saka or getting to Martinelli. Yeah, so if you didn't watch the game, uh, Everton's played in a kind of 4-4-1-1 or a 4-5-1 shape. A 4-5-1, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, and that extra man in midfield was really useful to them when they were sat in their deep block because if they had... Any, so any time we came over to the wide areas, they could shift over one of their extra midfield players and have more players than us over on that side. This meant that they could like double up on Saka always, double up on Martinelli always. And even then, while having that double up, if someone tried to make the run between the fullback and the centre-back to get through, like Erdegaard or Ben White or... Zinchenko trying to run through, uh, they could have a man on that runner as well because they had the fullback and the winger over on that side and then this midfielder spare could follow the runner through. So there was just 
really, really difficult for us to make anything down the sides. Yeah, absolutely. Just adding that extra person there. This was especially in their mid-block sort of situations. Mm. Really mean mid-block. Um, where Tiles kind of speaks about being a 4-4-1-1. I get what he means there because they were having situational 4-4-2s. Four, four I think John McKenzie's video on TFO outlines this really, really well. Where if it was getting to a certain player, one of them would jump out from the from the mid-block, um, from the middle line. So it was usually Onana or Dekure, depending on the sides. Um, Onana often. And then also, especially the seam runs, I think the key part there was, I don't think they really did try to get on any sort of runs down down that half space from Ben White, partly because he didn't make too many. But Odegaard was someone that they definitely put a lot of emphasis on tracking, especially with Onana was on his ass all game. It will be at times as well. It was it was a tough game for Odegaard, for sure. He didn't really get much um, much to much to actually do. What we were actually seeing a lot of the time is he was pulling. Well, after the first thirty or so minutes, is he started pulling himself out of the block, moving ro- like wide right, as we saw him like right at the beginning of last season when we sort of connecting with Saka a lot. He'd move out of the block to receive, and they wouldn't follow him. Then they knew that there wasn't much to do because he was in his own half you know, already having pulled out. It's something that we saw actually that we did to United where Bruno Fernandes thought he kind of had to pull himself out of the block to receive when they were in possession and we didn't really follow him. Everton were, you know, giving us a taste of our own medicine in that respect and they were really disciplined. But as soon as he got in, there was someone covering him. I think the understanding between the team was crazy. One other thing I'll say is in possession, obviously there was, there's a lot, you know, a far way to go still in terms of having maybe the quality that sides generally have, but they made a really good use of usually just long balls from Tarkovsky or Cody into the back line. They'd lose it, but then they'd be really ready to counter-press. And I think their their counter-pressing and their high-pressing was really organized and really intense as well and caused a huge number of problems for us, I think. We saw them pushing the ball out towards Ben White a lot because Zinchenko is a little bit more comfortable under that sort of pressure. I think Ben White, as good as he is on the ball, sometimes he's a little bit not clumsy, but slower sorting his feet out and getting himself in the right way. And yeah, even even Saliba was suffering as well. Um, Gabriel was obviously someone they were targeting too. And then beyond that, when we were in positions where we'd kept the ball high up, they just counted enormously well, like uh, Towels was speaking earlier, just before the part about their use of space and just driving and making everything really wide and stretching us. And they got the ball really far down. I think... I'll say one thing is Calvert Lewin had a fantastic performance on rewatch. I didn't quite see how good he was at the time. I was more enam- enamored with with Anana, but yeah, he was it was an exceptional performance. What I was saying uh, before we recorded was about how well they controlled the space, and it's one of the yeah. basic things you'll hear. Like you can go down a Sunday League team and hear this. Like when you're defending, you want to make the pitch as small as possible, and when you're attacking, you want to make the pitch as big as possible. And Burnley did a really, really good job of that by being very, very compact in their block when we had the ball, and then when they had the ball, they spread right out. Even when the ball was back, like with their defenders, with their goalkeepers, they were spread right out up to the other side of the pitch, trying to make it as big as possible, make it as hard for us to defend them as they could. Uh, and yeah, it was just just very impressive how quickly they'd got this kind of basic stuff down in the context of the fact that they were really, really quite bad at Frank Lampard. Yeah, it's 
I mean, I think as much of this is like a feather in the in the cap of Shundike, I think it's also very damning of Frank Lampard, who I do not rate as a as a manager at all. Because they're, they're, this is a talented group of players, which he got very, very little out of. Yeah, we, we we spoke, I spoke last episode about how I felt Everton kind of deserved to go down after the last couple seasons of uh, dross that they've served <laughs> up. They're not going down this season. I would be absolutely shocked if they went down this season based purely on this performance alone. If they can keep, if they can play to like half this level in half the games between now and the end of the season, they'll stay up easy. Yeah, it's crazy. I thought I was I was kind of hoping. I was like, okay, there's no way he's going to get them that organized that quickly, but he really did. And mm. now I think he's got what like I think Arteta's only won one in five games versus Dyke at this point, something <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah, um I another stat I heard in the commentary for the game uh was that this is the first time we'd lost to a side that started the game bottom of the table since 2020, and that game was against Sean Dyche's Burnley. it's typical alright maybe we should focus more on our own team and see maybe what we should have done better possibly obviously there was something missing right like we've been good enough over this year that we should have been able to beat this side even with how impressive they were all these things we've talked about so what is it Alex you think we were missing in this game I think we'll go through the obvious one that we've spoken about a lot of times. We've also, in games like Newcastle and stuff, I think there is a similarity here um, in terms of the player that we've been missing and what he brings to the system that we started off the season with. So let's get that out the way. I think Gabby J would have been huge for this game. I watched the game back twice. The first time I spent a lot of time watching Eddie, just imagining like what Gabby J would be doing in those instances. And... Yeah, I think the thing with Jesus is he is quite a game-breaking player. Like, as good as Everton set up, and they were exceptional, we just spent, like, what, 10 minutes speaking about that. There were still moments where you kind of feel like, not only, you know, Gabby's abilities in terms of riding challenges, dropping deep, his tight control on the ball, his ability to carry from central areas into the box, or pick up fouls just outside the box, um, if he's not, you know, if they're not going to let him through. I think it's just also the tendencies, like, where he likes to operate, where he likes to come it's very different to Eddie and Everton were quite prepared and quite comfortable with, you know, Eddie hanging on the last line, using his movement, trying to drag things. They weren't too worried about that, especially because of how compact they kept themselves. Um, and yeah, him pinning the back line wasn't really a thing because they were very comfortable with it. It wasn't something that they were worried about. Whereas if we had Gabby J, I think we were speaking about doubling up, up, up on the wingers. He would have helped a lot, especially when we got the ball to them in wider areas, using that mobility, that ability to come across, to receive, to help dismark them would have been huge. Um, it's something Martinelli struggled a lot, regardless of, you know, well, just versus all teams, not just Everton, but it's something we saw Saka struggle a little bit more with. I think he would have had a lot of help with Gabby J coming across. Odegaard probably would have also been helped. There was another guy who could have dropped more into the central spaces that Everton's midfield and backline kind of would have had to decide it's it's something in that his quality is able to disorganize sides. And when you're going up against such an organized defense, that's what you want. So, yeah, I call him a game-breaking player because I think there are certain types of players out there that their ability in a tactical sense is that you would, you can use them to negate the tactical quality of other sides regardless of how well 
the coach of the opposition team has them drilled. I think all big teams sort of need these game-breaking players. You look at Pep when he introduced Edison. That's another game-breaking player in terms of how he could play out the back, get those balls in, and basically beat pressing systems just by the quality of his passing out the back. I think another guy I think of as a, a game-breaking player when I was you know, toying with this is like Frankie de Jong, especially at Ajax. They could use him just to to beat presses himself and carry through and cause these micro-transitions where the team becomes disorganized and disrupted because they can't stop him carrying. That's something that Gabby J also offers in a, in a different sense. And he kind of helps us break down these sides in a way that Eddie, as much as I love him and as good as he is, doesn't in the same side. Yeah, I, I think when we had the ball, when the players on the ball were rotating, we mm-hmm. did that quite well this game, uh, but it got smothered very, very quickly by Everton. It was like very quick combination plays that we've done a lot of times this season, but Everton, because of the restriction of space that we talked about earlier, um, they were able to stop that very quickly. But when our attackers didn't have the ball, they were very static. Like Martinelli stayed on the left, Saka stayed on the right, Nketiah stayed through the middle. And I think having Jesus in there would have increased the amount of movement that we would have seen from them off the ball. We might have seen some of those rotations where Jesus ends up on the outside and Martinelli through the middle or Xhaka on the front line. And I think that kind of thing would really have helped uh, to... It really have helped us get through Everton's back line because it was... When we were in settled possession and not particularly trying to force it with quick combination plays, I think our front line was very static. Yeah, I mean, I think I'll say in terms of out of position when those players are like shuffled around, it comes from the rotations and then, you know, losing the ball and not feeling Mm. the need to swap back positions instantly because they're quite comfortable. Like we, we saw this a lot versus Brighton where they were pulling us up all over the place. But then, you know, Martinelli would be fine sitting in the middle of a 4-4-2 block in that second line. He didn't need to feel the need to like immediately swap himself out, which is how we handled ourselves versus Brighton. So I agree there, but I think they had less of an in-possession thing to cause us problems. That was mainly just those long balls over the top. I do agree in possession. I think we actually did try rotations a lot more, especially in the second half, than we've been seeing recently. I think it's because we knew we needed to try get back into that to try um, to break down the side because it just wasn't working in any other way, right? It, we played the whole first half was just ball out wide, doubled up on, lose possession or pass back and ball out wide. It was just very repetitive and very hard to break them down. Yeah, I think the one time I noticed us get like a cut back from the half space was when um, Saka, Erdegaard and Tomiyasu, who was on at that point, did a quick interplay. Tomiyasu got through, tried to pull it back from the byline, but it got cleared for a corner. So yeah, like we definitely did that more in the second half. Yeah, so actually in speaking about like how we could have beaten them, do you think we should have used made more use of our fullbacks? I mean, we don't really have the fullbacks to kind of play those overlapping runs, but do you think that's something we we, sh- we would have helped us beat them? I mean, we have Tierney, actually. I say we don't have those fullbacks, but we do have Tierney, who didn't come on. See, this is an interesting question, because while I was watching this game, I think actually Zinchenko, in the role that he was playing, was arguably our best player this game. Certainly, like, the player who, to my eye, did the best job of trying to disrupt them in settled possession, like, either with a driving run or a penetrative pass. It didn't really come off, but I liked what he was trying. Uh, And so, like, 
yeah, may maybe we could have been better on the other, like, by going around the outside, doing more traditional full black stuff. But I think, like, Zinchenko playing from, like, that inverted fullback spot was one of the best things about our play against Everton. The thing is, though, they were so comfortable versus it. I mean, they didn't try close him down. They did try stop getting him the ball in the first place, and he did well to get into the situation. So he kind of beat that aspect of their block. But when he received, they weren't pressing him because they knew all they had to do was cover those lines. So what he was forcing most of the time, it was, it was forcing him to play either down to Martinelli or what he tried a couple times, a lot more than we normally see him playing that switch to, to Saka. And I think, yeah, they let him make those passes because they were very happy with their narrow block that could, you know, jump up and double up on the wingers. They were very happy to let that happen. So I feel like he was executing actions, but it was because they were actions that they were allowing him to execute. I do yeah. think he was good. There were really good moments where he could kind of, you know, receive and carry through and stuff. I think he was, and I would agree. I don't think, I think they contained us in such a way that I don't think, like, I don't think he was necessarily that great, but probably maybe was our best player, potentially. I think Saka had a good game, aside from being doubled up on all the all the time. Um, what I would have liked to see is actually, maybe for this game, Zinchenko playing instead of Xhaka. You know, okay. obviously not from the start. Not from the start, but I think something needed to happen. And what was clear is, with how you know compact that press was and how quickly he was jumping on Saka, not Saka, Xhaka was just, you know, he was completely out of the game in, an, in, a, in a sense. And I think Zinchenko is someone who can receive and can turn and can play those nice tight like technically good passes, you know, a bit like a bit of a needle player from a deeper area. So I think maybe something clearly needed to be done. I would have liked to see maybe Tierney come wide, especially Trossard was on at that point. Yeah. Trossard come a little bit in. We use him a bit as a needle player as well. I think he did add something in that game and then have Zinchenko a bit as the sentiment. Maybe it lacks a bit of that physicality that they, that we did need, but I feel like, what was happening, they were very comfortable in dealing with, and, and Jaka was a non-entity in possession at times. That's a the really interesting idea that I didn't really think of that might have worked. I think I definitely agree that we needed the width once Trossard came on. Like, I think Martinelli did a better job of holding width on the left-hand side, and when Trossard came on, he was always, always looking to go inside, which kind of played into Burnley's hands, because that's where all their players were, so it kind Burnley's. of made it easier. <laughs> But Burnley, Burnley's Jesus hands. Christ, uh, played into <laughs> Everton's hands because that's where all the players were. So they finally are easier to like stop them from playing there. As an aside, though, didn't Arteta also call them Burnley? I think possibly. He did. In I don't know. The, in one I, of the things, <laughs> I haven't seen. What do you think I am? Someone who pays attention to Arsenal media? Never. Of course not, of course not. <laughs> I've been on a pod with you for too many episodes to think that. Don't worry, Tiles. Uh, no, but well. I do agree with your point. I think it just would have been an interesting to, thing to see, because mm. I'm not so sure. Maybe it wouldn't have worked. Obviously, they were very happy with us having possession, wide areas, and then closing onto that. But I think something could have been interesting there, especially if we had a threat coming from a bit deeper. Tierney's also got good crossing. That's not something we would have really needed, necessarily, because they were just dominant in their own box completely. But just different aspects that maybe it would have created possessions, like situations between Trossa and Zinchenko, two very technically tight players in better areas for us. 
Did you make much of Fabio Vieira's performance? I didn't really pay attention to his game once he came on, because I only watched the game once, uh, so there was other things I was looking at. <laughs> uh, but I, I know you watched it more than once, and we talked earlier about how you saw how Odegaard was targeted. Do you think anything changed once he came off? I don't think Vieira did particularly much in that game. I think I would actually have to watch it back, because, I mean... I rewatched it twice, so I've watched a lot, but I was focusing a lot on Jorginho, who we'll get into, and Trossard a bit. Um, we were creating more. I think a lot of that com- came from deep, and Jorginho was targeting more moving down the left side. So Vieira was less of a factor in the once he came on than I think Odegaard was, even though I think Odegaard struggled with his performance. So I would have liked to see. I like the substitution, though. I think Vieira could have done something. Um... But I can't say that I have too many opinions on Vieira of all. I like I like the new beard. I think that looks better <laughs> on him. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> we we definitely upped the intensity after we conceded, but I'm not sure like it didn't really help much. So I mentioned earlier like the shot stats and I had been looking at like the shots as they happened through the game. Uh we conceded mm. on the sixtieth minute. And it felt like watching the game that we had quite a bit of pressure after that, but we didn't get any shots from it. We didn't have a shot until the 78th minute after we conceded. That's interesting. I think we actually had some better chances coming after that, but I'm not so, I'm not exactly sure. I think about the 70th minute, we had some nice chances. I remember Odegaard being involved in something nice near the end, um, where he kind of received, couldn't sort out his feet and they cleared or whatever. Um... It's an interesting one because obviously they they scored a minute after from a corner, a minute after we brought on Jorginho and Torosad. So in terms of, you know, delineating like where that improvement came from, it's a bit hard. And obviously there was also the aspect of Everton's did tire a little bit defensively. It was a very energetic performance from them. I thought they'd tire a lot more. They were still pretty energetic until the end. I also brought on that rat Mopai who kept things like feisty for them. <laughs> um, so they were pretty good until the end. But I do think, I don't know if this is where your question's going, but I thought Jorginho actually helped a lot in terms of building our attacks from deeper. Mm-hmm. And it was so interesting. I was watching the game and I was getting so frustrated with Partey the whole game because I've no, you know, I've never really thought of him as a particularly high IQ in possession player. I think he's got a really good pass in him that he can execute. I don't think, I, I pause it as such a ugh word that like I get feel ugh about because people use it so weirdly, but I do think there's a sense of like pause in terms of understanding like the tempo and the the sort of flow of the game that he does kind of lack. The other thing is, is just his past selection. So not just about his timing and stuff is that they were very, com- they were very happy letting him have the ball a lot. They weren't pressing him because what they knew is that he basically passed where they left open. That's what, that's what he was doing all the time. Obviously, they left open two very dangerous players in Saka and Martinelli because it was a trap that they'd immediately double up. But Partey did not clock onto this throughout the game, not even after halftime where hopefully he'd been told. He basically received his thought, ah, Saka's open, sick, that's the pass. Makes the pass, Saka gets doubled up on whatever happens, and then we get back to to Partey. Oh, Saka's open, let me play that pass. It was very, very irritating. And... On first watch, I didn't think Jorginho was that good when he came on, but I actually changed my opinion a lot on rewatches because I just think the timing, and I think he also played a lot of inside balls that did actually 
you know, I wouldn't say break, I wouldn't say he had a great performance. I thought it was a decent debut, but it, he basically had just a little bit of a different idea that actually did help us get through, have these tighter combinations and basically get our attacks in ways which Everton weren't so clearly prepared to deal with. And I think that did lead to some some nice chances, especially for Tosar. He started, as you spoke about earlier, Jorginho just trying to move the ball down the left. It worked quite well, I thought, um, at times. So I thought that was a pretty decent debut and also does it does highlight one of Partey's struggles and, and it's always interesting. We've spoken a lot on this part about like what kind of six does Arteta want and you can see they're two very different types of six. I think obviously there was another aspect is when he was coming on, I was thinking, do we really want Jorginho against this like energetic midfield? But I thought he actually handled it fine on rewatch. I think at the time I thought he didn't and that was a bit of maybe bias coming in. I thought he was pretty decent. The thing which impressed me most about Jorginho's performance was actually his press resistance. I'm not sure why. Like, I I think, like, intrinsically, you kind of know subconsciously that this is something that Jorginho must be good at. Like, for all of the skills (laughs) that he has, like, it makes sense that he's a press resistant midfielder. But, like, I was really impressed with how he dealt with coming under pressure this game. Uh, Like, there were quite a few times where he'd get closed down by Everton's counter-press, and he'd just make a couple quick touches to get away from that and lay off a simple mm-hmm. pass, or he'd turn out on the half-turn and play it to another centre-back and get us out free on the other side. Like, 100% agree. Simple things like that, which I thought was really, really impressive. The other thing I really liked, um, I forgot to say, is that he also positioned himself a lot closer to the player that would close down or press and will activate when he receives. Then Partey was kind of standing wherever, receiving... Um, Partey, I think, is pretty press resistant himself, but Jorginho is getting a little bit closer and he gets the ball like nicely into his feet and out of his feet so well. So he would receive quicker. He'd make that decision a lot faster. And I just think it helped a lot of adding that forward impetus just from a bit deeper. So I actually thought it was a pretty good performance. Yeah. I, th- I think I've said that like four or five times now. Yeah. Maybe I'm trying to convince myself that, you know, we've got the next, <laughs> but I thought it was a good, I thought it was good. Yeah. I, I do. I do wish that we hadn't conceded the instant he came on, though, because it would be yeah. nice to see him play in the nil-nil game state, like, and mm. see how his play affected our play then. But like, he was good. Yeah, yeah, he was good. I mean, it's it's a it's a promising start, and I think it makes sense on rewatch. Also, at the time, I thought Arteta just wants to like you know, make use of his new play thing. But it did, ma- it did make sense. I thought Partey probably was worth taking off at that point. Maybe we could have tried. I think fundamentally one of the bigger issues is Arteta didn't really change anything about the system to try get something new, which is a problem I've had with Arteta for a long time. Often he'll even bring players into, into like different types of players into roles that don't really suit them to try change things rather than change the tact like tweak the tactics themselves in that same game. Like you'll remember even when we had Gabi Jesus in the middle and he used to bring Nketiah on and it, you know, be camping Nketiah out on the left where it doesn't suit him at all. And you think, well, he adds something new there, but not in any way that sort of suits him. And obviously he doesn't want to move Gabi J out of that position because of how important Gabi J was at center forward when, before his injury, right? But you always think, well, maybe you need to try something different, bring Gabi J out left, see what he does there and actually have a bit more of like a, a central presence in Eddie up there. Again, in this game, I feel like maybe, you know, maybe do try something, see what Tierney can do rather, 
just change things. I mean, obviously he knows a lot more, but it, it does feel like that's something with Arteta. He's very hesitant to make those like tactical changes in the game, even if he brings in new roles to play in a different way. Yeah. I do think that is understandable, though, given how well the tactic that he has been using and the tactical ideas that he's been using through the whole season have worked. Like, I, I appreciate that, like, in in this game it wasn't working that great, but we've had other games where it wasn't working that great and then suddenly it did and we scored. So, a case of if it ain't broke, don't fix it, maybe? I think I think one aspect of why we still can win from those positions is because we're still really good and we have good players and we win on player quality. Um, but I think it's also... I think it's not a bad thing to have a really good system that sometimes doesn't work or isn't working. Or not even that, but the team is set up or, you know, the team you're playing is set up or more comfortable now. Okay, they know this guy's going to drop in here or whatever. They know what to do. You change it, even if it's not as good as the normal system. It's a different thing that, it's a different way of testing that team. I think it's something we've seen Graham Potts do a lot, especially at Brighton, not so much at Chelsea. Just changing things, seeing, seeing if they work. I think Arteta... I would say, and this is speculation, I think he has the intelligence to see what needs to happen often. I feel like he doesn't want to change the system. Maybe it's because he's got so much confidence in the system. I don't know what, but I do think it would be beneficial in certain matches to to make those switches. Let's go to a quick break. And when we come back, we'll have a look ahead to Brentford and then a look ahead to City. So, back from the break. What a lovely break. And we're here to talk about Brentford, who are surprisingly scary. Like, didn't even realise until I was looking in preparation for this pod. Scary. They haven't lost since October, when they got absolutely whacked by Aston Villa 4-0. And it was the first game after Steven Gerrard got (laughs) sacked as Villa manager. I wanted to say. So that's (laughs) funny. Um, But, yeah, they... They've had a really, really good run in the league. Um, Their last five games are win, 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 draw, win. So they're in better form than us. (laughs) They also lost in the FA Cup, to be fair, so we can can hold, you know, that solidarity with them. But yeah, they're a good team. Thomas Frank's a really good coach, and they're a bit of a giant killer. I think they've beaten... City in that run, at least drawn to Spurs, beaten Liverpool. I mean, lots of teams are beating Liverpool at the moment. But but it's been a good run for them. It's not like they've faced easy teams and just had, you know, a lucky sort of run of games. They've been very good. Is there anything in particular you think we need to change from the Everton game to this one? Like, what would you like to see different? There's things I'd like to see not necessarily things I think we should do. I'd like to see, you know, some sort of system where we do try... St- I would like... It's just these are maybe things that I just want to see. Like, I want to see what Zinchenko can do in the middle. I want to see with Trossard uh, wide and then um, Tierney at, at fullback. But I don't think we should do that. I think we should probably go in with the same team that we have been going in with. Um, maybe... Ben White's had two. I had a bad game versus United. Had a sort of iffy game versus um, Everton. Maybe bring Tommy Asu, who's looked pretty impressive in all of his performances recently. Um, after starting off quite bad since coming back from the World Cup, his last three or so performances have been good. Maybe we can do a little bit of a switch there. Um, I wouldn't be against it, but there's nothing I particularly want to see. 
I know that, you know, maybe from what we're speaking about, there'd be that idea of, oh, I'd like to see what Jorginho does. But I still think Partey should start, um, like, footballing-wise. Uh, yeah, so I wouldn't I wouldn't really say, sorry, boring answer. But I would say let's keep the same team and see how it does. Even with the City game in midweek? Ooh, I actually didn't think of that. That's a good point. That's <laughs> a good point. That makes this pod more interesting. Cool. Um... I'd be interested. I'd be interested to see what happens then. But I, I wouldn't be against. I wouldn't be against resting certain players. Those guys I don't think will be rested. I don't think Saliba or Gabriel will be rested. Can hundred percent now see Ben White maybe being rested for that game. Sinchenko, he's had injury issues. I, then I wouldn't really mind that sort of whole switch thing. Although there's zero chance Shaka doesn't start, even even though he has struggled. Post 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 Jesus, you know. Post Gabby Jesus is how we should probably be speaking about our team this season. I wouldn't mind seeing Trossard start from from the beginning then and see if we can maybe with Tierney up the left and then something that we can change. But at the same time, we've just been speaking about how good Brentford are. Um, it's one of those things where maybe you just want to get your starting team. It'll be tough on the legs, but those two games you want to take. You also want to take good momentum into that City game. And obviously, we lost against City. I wouldn't say badly. I think it was an equal game. We spoke about that. But we still lost. Then we lost a bit more worryingly about Everton. I still wouldn't be worried. I still think there's a lot of momentum in the squad. But losing against Brentford, that's maybe not the best sort of three-game run to take into playing your title challenges, right? It's an interesting one. I feel like it's a surprisingly big game, like, if anything, from a psychological perspective, because of what you mentioned, we don't want to go into that City game in midweek having lost our last three games. Like, that would be, I I can't see a world in which that's good for the collective mental state of the squad. Um, So, from that perspective, I think it's pretty important that we actually pick up a win here. I, I do want to see some changes, not like massive rotation. I'd like to see Jorginho start. I think he was promising in this game. And I think... I, I just like to see how it, how it works. How our team looks with Jorginho in it from the off. Um, I'd also... I, I think I'd like to see... I think I'd like to see Trossard start. I think that'd be fun as well. Just see how that goes. Yeah, I think... Don't, don't know if he will. I doubt he will, but I think it'd be interesting. For me, for me, I mean, I agree. I think I just said it, but these are like... I'd, I'd be interested to see, but I don't think it should happen. I still think Martinelli has been doing a lot of, like, the... The worst part of playing on the left. Like, he's been doing the dirty job to make everything else flow a bit better, but he's still doing a pretty good job. Even versus Everton, he had one or two really good moments carrying from deep, or when he beat his man. I think... I think he was doing well. Trossard also had good moments, though. Albeit off the bench versus slightly more tired legs. I wouldn't be against it, but I it it's not probably what I would do if I was in Arteta's shoes. Nor is it what I expect Arteta to do. I think the most likely one is maybe Tomiyasu, because I think um defensively, which I think Arteta always thinks first of there's not a drop off. I think Tomiyasu is even a better defender out wide. Um and there's not too much of a dif- Dis- um, disparity in quality, especially given that Ben's sort of had two off games. Tommy Arsene's had some good appearances recently. Uh, it's just not. It's just I, not I what really I do think Jorginho might start. Think? I, I don't think that's just me wanting him to start. I think there is quite a good, a, a good chance that he will. Um, I, I don't think we should talk about this too much from a player fitness perspective. Mm. Uh, like 
a friend of the pod, Scouted Sav, will get too annoyed if we say that people need a rest or whatever. But um, yeah, I, I think it's very important that we get a good result out of this game going into the City one. Um, going into the City one, how are you feeling? We're we're less than a week away from that game now. How how do you feel about it? I feel like this will come back to bite me, but I do feel good after seeing us play them. You know that you know going into the like that first game of the season versus City, and that's why that FA Cup felt so important. Um, it was just you didn't really know how we'd match up against them. We played a more rotated side than they did, and I think it was pretty equal. I think they deserved their win in the end, but it was there wasn't too much in it. Um, yeah, I think I feel good. They're coming to our place now, and they're also not in great form, to be honest. And like we were speaking about a couple pods ago in the Man United pod, actually, where there is that kind of sense that A, they're not that consistent, and B, they're obviously calling City one-dimensional. You say that at your own peril. But they are more one-dimensional than we've ever seen them be under Pep before, but albeit maybe their first season, which I don't particularly remember how complex or what they weren't. I know that was a sort of easing in season, right? So, yeah, I think one thing we need to watch out for is Haaland. He's someone that you can lock up, but just as easily can score a hat-trick versus you. And even even though he didn't, we did lock him up, I say, in, you know, I don't know what they call it. I know, I know the Afrikaans, I don't know the English for them. Quotation marks. Air quotes. Yeah, the old Tierkins. Um, actually, that's not an Afrikaans. Anyways, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but... We, but even then, like, their goal came from his movement, like, us being so occupied, preoccupied with our defenders that he opened up the space for that, for that finish from Ake. So, it'll be an interesting match. Um, yeah, just to see how, how we handled I think we're a slightly better team than them this season. It, the game that we played against them was very much like a midfield battle. There wasn't too much happening on either side, and I can see that happening again. Um, yeah, we'll have to see. Should we do some predictions? We haven't done any predictions. Uh, what, how do you think the Brentford game's going to go? 2-0 Arsenal. 2-1 Arsenal, uh, I think. Okay. How do you think the City game's going to go? 3-1 Arsenal. I'm not ever going to predict us to lose. This is the problem with this predictions This predictions game. It, it feels like <laughs> bad luck to do that. But anyways, <laughs> your turn. I think we're going to win 2-0 against City. There we go. That's my prediction. Yeah, I, I, I feel like Mark Lawrenson, like, do you, I don't know if you ever heard that stat that Mark Lawrenson, former match of the day pundit, like, went on like a 25-year run where he never predicted Liverpool to lose. Oh, seriously? Or something like that. <laughs> yeah. That like, will like, be he'd me. do like a BBC predictions that, column. That will be me. And he just never predicted Liverpool to lose, ever. Pod, pod shot episode 3205 that will be me surpassing him or maybe mm. maybe less than that what would it be like 800 <laughs> I mean if we start playing like ass then I'm going to start predicting us to lose but we haven't started playing badly yet he says knowing that we've just talked about how we got outplayed by fucking Everton let's wrap up this part I think don't you think Tiles absolutely absolutely trivia book is out how many assists did Meza Azil res- register in his maiden season at the club? Oof, I actually don't know this one. Yeah, okay. Oh, oh, the, the, I forgot to give you the options. A, 17 assists. B, 15 assists. C, 13 assists. Or D, 
11 assists. I think it's 13, but it could be 15. Let me go with 13, though. Could be 11. That is correct. Uh, 13, cool. It just felt right. 13 assists. It felt Pardon? right. It felt yeah. right, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. So that is uh, Alex 4 or 5. I think Alex 4 <laughs> uh, guessed 1, book 1 on the uh, <laughs> trivia score ratings. And this book is immediately dated because the question below that was what is the nationality of Arsenal player Lucas Torreira? Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you're out of date, book. Uruguay, Alex 5. It is indeed. <laughs> Trick question, not an Arsenal player. I'll, I'll leave that question till uh, like three years down the line to see if you forget. I don't think I will. I, I have that faith in my in my ability to remember nationalities. It's actually a, a strength of mine. So um, we shall see. As you may have assumed by the fact that we talked about Brentford and Manchester City, we have no intention of doing a podcast between the Brentford and City games. We're going to do a podcast at the end of next week looking back on both of those games. Um, due to time constraints, I genuinely cannot tell you whether that podcast will be out before or after the Leicester game, so it might contain a preview of the Leicester game. It probably won't, given we'll have two games that we've actually played to talk about, but I don't know whether or not it'll be out before or after the Leicester game. We'll get back to normal podcasting service very soon after that. Uh, we're thinking of changing the day we release our episodes and actually having a almost competent schedule we'll see we say this holds often. many secrets <laughs> we we do no Wait. actually we never do we never do i, well, I don't we said think it once and we didn't... yeah yeah we said it, we once, said it once and then we didn't hold ourselves to it and now we're saying it will we hold ourselves to it nobody knows you'll have to tune in next week <laughs> to find out or uh, tune in the week after next to find out uh, <laughs> thank you alex for coming on the podcast so good oh it's a pleasure to be here yeah as there always. we are that's the bit you need to say thank thank you thank you for coming on the podcast you can uh, find Alex on Twitter at AlexFRCO you can find me on Twitter at Alex Towers you can find the podcast on Twitter at Potshot Podcast you can find the music well the man that makes the music on Spotify at JW Blake you, he's got an album coming out at some point soon you should listen to it if I remember I'll link it in the description when it's out it's not out yet I don't think um, you should subscribe to this podcast if you enjoy it, please do um, leave a review if you like podcasts see you next week when we will have won two games in a row definitely 100% bye